Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 11 o'clock service on this, the second Sunday after Epiphany. Welcome to those of you in the room, many more we know joining us online. It's good to worship God together uh, in this way today. I look around, a bunch of you are visiting with us. We're really honored that you've come. We really are. And we hope that you'll come back. We hope you'll leave some uh, contact information with us uh, so that we can reach out to you, see if we can support you, if you have anything you want to share with us, begin the process of befriending one another. Uh, my name's James Howell, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Dr. Yun Kim. Grateful to be together, friends. As mentioned, we welcome you, especially if you're a first-time visitor. Let us know who you are. There's several ways you can do that for us. There's the physical hospitality pads at the end of your pews, the QR code at the back of your bulletin, and for those of us online or wherever you may be, there's a link that you can click on to give us your uh, contact information so that we may pray for you and share the ministries of our church. And of course, please do follow various communications from our church about the ongoing and new ministries as we journey together. One that I'd like to highlight is Dr. Howe's bi-weekly Bible study, which comes back this Wednesday. And you're going to talk about space, the final frontier. So uh, we hope that you will join uh, with that wonderful time together. It is good that we are here. Let us continue to prepare our hearts for worship.
Please remain standing as you are able as we confess our Christian faith and the faith of our Christian church through the Apostles' Creed, which can be found in the back of your hymnal, 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God is merciful and loving, for as we come before him to confess our sin, he is so good to forgive. I invite you to uh, our bulletin for our prayer of confession in unison. Let us pray together. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, too hidden even to realize, and too deep to undo. Forgive us what we hesitate to name what our hearts can no longer bear. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow into your likeness. Amen. Hear the good news, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli's eyesight had begun to grow dim. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down within the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call lie down again. So he went and lay down, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, 
Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down once more. And again the Lord came, called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. This is the word of God for the people of God. Uh, Jack, thank you for that reading. Uh, that's one of um, two marvelous episodes uh, that took place at Shiloh. You can visit Shiloh now. I took our high school seniors there uh, last summer. Uh, they've excavated the temple and adjacent site of a visitor center. Beautiful uh, countryside there in the hillside of Samaria. You know, the first incident is when Hannah went there to pray, and she prayed so intently that Eli the priest thought that she was drunk. She wasn't drunk. She was just in agony praying. So, And then the little boy, Samuel, I mean, we don't know his age, seven, ten, I don't know. He's a little boy, and God calls him, and God calls him at night, nighttime. I have a friend who's just uh, finished writing a book. It's not been published yet. He sent me a copy of it. It's called Night Owl Prayers, Night Owl Prayers. And they're prayers that you can pray in the middle of the night. And uh, why would you need a prayer during the middle of the night? Sometimes the middle of the night can be kind of rough, right? Uh, maybe you're not feeling well. Maybe you've got insomnia. Maybe you have a lot of anxiety. Some people work during the night. Sometimes there's tossing, can't sleep. All kinds of stuff. Troubles weigh on us at night. Uh, he suggested we might pray at night. Yeah, I think it's the Martin Luther King weekend. I love the moment. Um, you know, in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, you can visit uh, Martin Luther King's parsonage when he was pastor of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. And my favorite part of the house is the kitchen. Uh, it's a small kitchen. And you stand there, and I remember the moment uh, in January of 1956. Uh, the civil rights movement had begun, the boy bus boycott, and uh, King's house was firebombed, bombing off on the front porch. His wife, he wasn't home. His wife and daughter were in the back of the house. Somehow survived. Terrible thing. And that wasn't the end of it. For weeks, he kept getting phone calls from the KKK threatening him, threatening his wife, threatening his child. Oh, it was just terrible. And one night, he'd gotten a call, and he just was in despair. And he went into that kitchen, and he made a cup of coffee, and he said, God, I, I can't do this. <laughs> I just can't do this any longer. And he heard a voice. He believed that God spoke to him, and God said, Martin, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep fighting for goodness and righteousness. I am always with you. I will never leave you alone. And of course, the rest is history. Uh, one of the things that can happen during the night, it's in my friend's book, Night Owl Prayers, is that uh, God can call us in the night. 
the story, God Calls Samuel, it's dark, uh, and the, dark, the darkness, it's an image, right? It's not just, well, the lights were out and it was at 2 a.m. <laughs> it's dark. They're, they're like, their world had grown dark. It says things like, the Word of God was rare. I bet the Word of God wasn't rare. I think listening to the Word was rare. It says there was no frequent vision, but people weren't really looking for anything from God any longer. It says that Eli's sight had grown dim. Sounds like he's old, but it's also a symbol that even Eli, their religious leader, he's not so attentive to God. He's not expecting, obviously, anything new from God any longer. This kind of darkness is well expressed in a sermon that Martin Luther King preached many times in his lifetime. The first time was in 1958. The sermon is called A Knock at Midnight, A Knock at Midnight. He begins by saying that a midnight has crept over our entire country. He said there's a midnight of the social order. He said there are deep rumors of discontent all around the globe. I mean, he could just as easily be describing 2024 instead of 1958, right? deep rumors of discontent around the globe. He said there's a midnight in the psychological order. He said people are never, people have never been more anxious than they are now. I wanna say, dude, come to 2024 if you wanna see some anxious people. He says a midnight in the moral order has descended. He said people don't know or care about what's right or wrong any longer. He says, therefore, we've created a country of what he calls moral cowards. Ouch. Moral cowards. Uh, the story in 1 Samuel 3 depicts the same kind of thing, but, but, but there's a but. There's a but. It says, but the lamp of God had not gone out. The lamp, of, the lamp of God has never gone out. God is always there. God is always ready to do a new thing if we just have the ears to hear. It takes a boy to hear. You know, right before he died, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs wrote an essay that I love on uh, Abraham, and he said, uh, Abraham introduced us to a new way of being human. He said, before that, people had thought of God as their maker. People had thought of God as their helper. People had thought of God as somebody that gives rules, and you better keep them, and if you break them, you ask, tell God you're sorry. <laughs> So with Abraham, you have a new kind of person that we all can become, and that's somebody who's called, right? When you're called, it's your whole life. God calls you for your whole life. Wait, what, what are you going to do with your entire life? What are you going to do next week? What are you going to do this afternoon? God calls us. And how lovely, isn't it, that God calls us, that God cares enough, God loves you enough, not just to leave you down here to do what you want to do or what society tells you ought to do, but, but God calls you. You can live a life in sync with God. You can have purpose. You could be part of something just beyond yourself and your own little world. Such a wonderful thing. We have, uh, we have some parents of young children here. At last service, we had a bunch of them, and uh, I know a lot of these guys. We, we got some anxious parents around here. They look cool walking in the door, but I know them. They're a little anxious about what to do with their, their little urchins in their house. And, and they get confused in our world. They think, I hope my child grows up and makes a lot of money and has a great job, or I hope my child grows up and is happy and has fun. And those aren't bad things. But in this place, what we name is that you hope your child grows up and hears God's call and can look at his or her life and say, I'm doing what God asked me to do. 
That's something actually for every one of us, however old you are with the rest of your life. Think of the pride that you could have to say, I do in my life what, what God is asking me to do and to know what God is asking me to do. You, you, you got to change what prayer is about. I love um, Eli uh, tells Sammy, you can go back to bed, and, and when God calls the next time, say, here I am. And, and then Samuel says, did you hear it? Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I don't think that many of our prayers are, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We tend to come to God issuing requests. God, please help me with this. God, please. We actually sometimes don't even talk to God much until we've like, got an issue going on and we send out a 911 missive. Uh, maybe you have a prayer list. I thought of this clever thing this week, but nobody's thought it was clever, but I'll try it one more time. I thought of this the other day, working on my sermon. God doesn't want to come, to come. God doesn't want us to come to God with a list. God wants us to listen. You see that? Like, thank you. That's even a Carolina student. You just, uh, it must really be good uh, for that. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. God, what are you, can we get quiet enough? Can we be still enough to hear God's call? God's lamp has not gone out in the world out there, as Martin Luther King put it in his knock at midnight sermon. The people in that midnight world, they're hungry for some bread. They're hungry for the bread of faith. They're hungry for the bread of hope. They're hungry for the bread of love. Something I love about Martin Luther King, and it's always worth naming, is I do not know of anyone since Martin Luther King, and that's since 1968. That's been a while now, friends, who when he talked about issues in public, the public issues that beleaguer all of us, he talked about love. He said, we need to love we need some love. Can we love one another? Show me a politician of either party that will say, we need to love. I'll vote for that person. Because what we hear instead is, you got to be tough. you got to be mean. you got to ding the other guy. But Martin Luther King said, we, we, it, it's love. The world's hungry for the bread of love. You are hungry for the bread of love. The key to life is to be still and to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then I've heard you calling in the night. I mean, what would that mean for, uh, we're part of a denomination, the United Methodist Church. We've been an embarrassment to ourselves for quite some time. But some of us at least are praying and hoping that this will be the year that things will turn. Did you hear it when Jack read the scripture that God's about to do a thing and it says, at the sound of it, the ears of everyone will tingle. Like, I just love that. God will do something new with the United Methodist Church, and people's ears will tingle. Our church, we're finishing up this building, and some people don't look at it right. They look at it and think, oh, it's just a nice building. I'll enjoy being in there. No, no. That is the building that God wants to use to make a difference in this world so the people out there, might, their ears might actually tingle, and they might say, God, there really is a God. There really is hope. <laughs> There really is love. God is probably calling you. Don't think I'm talking about the other people. I'm talking about you. God is calling you to say, I hear you calling, and, and God wants to do something with you that might make somebody's ears tingle. You think, no, not me, but God called the little boy Samuel. Samuel, here I am. 
Lord, I've heard you calling in the night. Then we hear God's call, we, we go. We act, we live. Our whole lives are about being called by God and answering. Thanks be to God. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. God of all life and each life, today we remember before you people living face to face with war and violence in places where hatred has been stirred up and fear stalks people on their very streets. We pray for all those displaced by conflict, those seeking refuge among us or in camps and communities around the world. O oh God, speak a word of peace and embrace us all with your love. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, we remember before you people facing discrimination and social prejudice each and every day of their lives. We remember those who are bullied at work, at school, or in their own home. We remember those who are made ashamed of who they are. Oh God, speak to us a word of dignity and embrace us with your love for all. Lord, in your mercy, Oh God, we remember before you people facing illness and suffering in their lives or in the lives of those whom they love. We remember all those struggling with disabilities and the lack of access or those who need resources. We also recall those today who know grief and loss and depression and anxiety. God, speak to us a word of healing and embrace all of us with your love. Lord, in your mercy. And finally today, Lord, in this season of Epiphany, we celebrate your life that breaks into the world. May the light of Christ lead us to embrace all his children with love with grace and compassion. For it is in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. The wonderful ministries of this church would not be possible without your generous giving. On behalf of all the people whose lives will be touched by your gifts today, I offer thanks on their behalf. Ushers, if you'll come.
May the gifts we offer today serve God's purposes in the world, bringing light and hope to all his children. For the sake of Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray, amen. what a great privilege and joy for us to come to our Lord's table. All are welcome at our Lord's table. Ye who are weary, come home. All who need the mercy of God, all who hope to hear God's call and say, here I am, Lord. We're all welcome. Uh, we'll begin with the prayers of consecration. The uh, Congregational responses are uh, on page 17 at the front of your hymnal. The choir will lead us in singing those. Uh, and then we'll invite you to come forward. The ushers will guide you. Come forward in two lines. Somebody will hand you a piece of bread, dip it gently into the cup, return to your seat by way of the outside aisle. You can receive kneeling if you would like. And we also have, because all are welcome, we have uh, gluten-free and COVID-friendly packets that you can have on request. So friends, let us join together now in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread. And after giving you thanks, he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. 
pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. of the children of God, let us pray as our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
Friends, would you join with me now in the prayer after communion, which you'll find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Uh, friends, be seated for just a moment. I was reminiscing there as we were singing. I recall when uh, the hymnal we have now was the new hymnal that came out, and a lot of people said, why do we need a new hymnal? We have great hymns. We didn't have that hymn. And that is such a beautiful, meaningful hymn that so many of us love, and it allows us to speak our hearts to God. Here I am, Lord. Uh, I want to uh, have you look for a moment at two people who uh, said, here I am, Lord. Uh, so Jim Deal and Craig Fisher. Jim and Craig are usually up there and you don't see, they're the most important people in the worship service. You don't even see them. Uh, Jim Deal and Craig Fisher uh, come to retire from working with us today. We hired Jim 10 years ago. Craig came with him and we didn't pay him for seven years, but he volunteered. <laughs> we didn't pay him for three years, then we paid him for seven. People didn't know at the time, they came to us as, I mean, local legends uh, in the audiovisual industry. And they've done so much to make our life so vital, not just here, but out there. Our online services, videos that we produce, all kinds of things. They have just been absolutely splendid. But what I love is that uh, they have not treated it as a job. It, for them, has been a calling from God. It's been a ministry. And they've never thought of us just as like, well, those people that are at work, uh, you've always treated us and thought of us as family, as friends. And we're so, so grateful. Uh, so they uh, come to retire. This is harder than I thought it would be. Every service, it's the same thing. And uh, I, I've told them earlier in the day, I wish I'd brought them a big bouquet of flowers or something. Uh, instead, uh, I can share with you that there is a plaque uh, that is in production. It's not here yet, but I'll read to you what's on the plaque. It begins like this, uh, Romans 10:14, revised a little. How will they believe in whom they have never heard? And how will they hear without the sound guys? <laughs> with deep appreciation to Jim Deal and Craig Fisher, for a decade of faithful service to God and to Myers Park United Methodist Church. Friends, join me in thanking and congratulating them. benediction and now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore mm -hmm. 